0: I'm gonna start this off with a trigger warning. There will be controversial material discussed here. Now, when I say controversial material, I do not mean that within Judaism it's controversial because it's not, it is not debated. There are no discussions that uh, contradict this. There are many sources that back these concepts up in the Torah. When I say controversial, I don't mean within Judaism, I mean within the Western world that Many of us were raised in, if you're listening to this podcast. And so therefore, there might be an emotional reaction to some of the things we're going to be discussing. It might sound logical. He's going to lay it out very clearly, intellectually, step by step. Nevertheless, there might still be an emotional reaction to this. And so therefore, I'm, it was a bit in jest, the trigger warning. Uh, but what I what I really mean by that is that this should not be your first podcast in this series, What is Judaism? If someone shared this with you because it's controversial material, it would be irresponsible to take this class alone, this podcast alone, out of context of the rest of the course. So if you are interested in this material, please start from number one, build up. There is a build up. There's a whole framework of understanding here. And with that, let's get into this topic, the difference between the Jewish people and the rest of the world. Looking forward to it. We're now in section two, beginning chapter four. Regarding the Jewish people and the nations of the world. So among the the great deep concepts in the ways that Hashem runs the world, is the idea of the difference between the Jewish people and the other nations of the world, <speaking in Hebrew> from a purely scientific perspective. It seems as if Jews and non-Jews are exactly the same. We're all homo sapiens. <speaking in Hebrew> but from a Torah perspective, not from the scientific method, but from the traditions that we have of spiritual reality, there is a great difference between the two. And they are disparate in fundamental ways. And so we'll attempt to give a sufficient explanation for what these differences are. We'll explain what are the similarities. And in what ways are they different? Number two. Now the first man, Adam, Adam Harishan we call him. Before his original sin, he was in a state of elevation which is much greater than what we see as mankind today. And this is an important point the way we relate to humanity is fundamentally skewed. The way the human being was created initially was on a much higher level than we could comprehend. And, and, so, and we've already explained this. So that's, it's important to remember that the concept of true humanity, what an actual human is or should be, is unlike anything that we've ever experienced or could conceive of truly.
1: And that's just because we're at such a low level.
0: Yes, we're at a low level now, as he'll explain in just one moment. And we have explained this already in section 1, chapter 3. The level that man was at, mankind was at before the sin, which is really just Adam. It was a tremendously high, elevated level meant for eternity, as we explained earlier. And had he not sinned, he would have continuously elevated, one step above the next. And in that good state, that state of goodness, he would have had descendants, spiritual and physical descendants, other humans. A set number that Hashem would have decreed that would have been appropriate for the ultimate completion and perfection of the universe. And all of these descendants would have benefited from that true goodness of God that he would have been accomplishing through his actions had he not sinned. Now, these descendants that would have been created from Adam. They would have been decreed to have a, a certain structure, and each one on its own level, meaning that there would have been primary ones and secondary ones, roots and branches, that are drawn one after the next. In a very logical structure, much the same that trees are structured. You have a trunk, the root of the tree, and then the branches. The number of trees, so to speak, and the number of branches, they all would have been calculated exactly. Now, in man's sin, in Adam's sin, he descended tremendously from that level. And he descended into the depths of darkness and became immersed in obscurity, physicality, to a tremendous degree, as we've already explained. And the point is that it wasn't just him. Because he is ultimately the root of all of humanity, he caused that all of humanity and mankind descend in its level also with him the od, and now mankind is at a lower state subhumanity without the ability to be on that high level that was intended for it initially. And the only thing that is present and available for humanity is a level which is much lower, respectively, than what was intended. Now, it's in that state that man had descendants. And all of these descendants are now on this lower, degraded state of humanity. Now, nevertheless, Even though this is true, mankind, even in its degraded state, is still human. Still has that essential form of humanity. That element of humanity, which is much higher than what we recognize as humanity now, and that occurred with that downgrade that happened then with the sin. And it wasn't game over. When Adam sinned, there was still a way back. He could still return back to that elevated level. It's just that in practicality, in actuality, man is at a lower level, and that higher level, that intended state of humanity is only in potential form. Now, Hashem presented the opportunity to those descendants. That existed at that time. He gave to them the ability, the capacity of free will to strengthen themselves and to fight, to exert effort to elevate themselves from that lower status, and to place themselves on a higher level, and Hashem gave them time for this, for that opportunity. In order to facilitate their ability to use that free will, there's a time period. In order to facilitate their ability to use that free will, there's a time period just like we in our lives have a designated time that we can accomplish what we need to accomplish on a personal level, so too when we zoom out to all of humanity, the human beings as a whole were given a certain amount of time to use their free will to achieve that higher state. Anything that involves effort, human effort, must be limited within time. And so this is over the course of generations on yes. a human time scale. Yes. And we'll see there, there are different kinds of generations, as we'll see now in number three. Now Hashem decreed that the way to do this is to split up this time period of effort to reach that higher state, to split it up into... Roots and branches. what that means, So in the beginning of this time period of effort to reach that level again, we'll be devoted to people who will be the roots. And then afterwards, will be for the people who will be the branches of those roots. We'll explain even more what this means. V'hainu, ki hamin The entire human race needs to be established. It needs to be fixed up from those degradations, from the the destruction that humanity endured. Now, according to the order of things, It makes sense to first establish the roots who will be the head the first and foremost of the descendants of man who will establish a base level the foundations of humanity and on top of that that's where they they establish themselves and their descendants will continue branch off from whatever they've established as a root Because branches always extend forth from their respective roots. Now Hashem defined a set time for this period where the root ones will establish themselves. The time this gate is open, the gate of establishing the roots for humanity, Anyone who merits during that time period has the ability to. They have the capacity to achieve this. To prepare themselves appropriately. To establish a good root. Something that is, from there, one would be prepared to reach the higher levels of humanity that is intended what's intended for mankind to be in that good state. And not the mankind as we know it in its degraded state. In addition to reaching that level on their own, then their job is to produce offspring that will continue along that path, embodying those traits that they've established. Perish, meaning that those people in that generation or those generations that are the roots they will produce offspring who will start from their respective levels now this time period we have a tradition for when exactly it was began from the time of Adam HaRishan the first man up until the generation of the dispersion, meaning the Tower of Babel. <speaking in Hebrew> now during that entire time period, there was no lack of righteous people that sought out truth. For example, Khanokh, <speaking in Hebrew> Shame, if you read the Torah, there were righteous people during those times. Umazhiri Mesom Shiisaknus and they were commanded, they were warned to fix themselves up. They knew the opportunity that was presented to them. And once the, quote-unquote, measure was filled, if you remember from the last episode what that means, that the time period was up, time is up, and now man is judged. Once that happened, at the time of the dispersion, Shofat be'midas shamo, Hashem, using his trait of judgment, judged the people. That the time for establishing roots is finished. And that is the end of those things. And all of the traits that are root traits of humanity are now established. They're set in stone in accordance with everything that has happened from the generation of Adam until the dispersion, based on their actions, the people of those generations, now set in stone the traits for their future generations. And from that point on, Hashem looked out over all people. And saw all of the different levels of spirituality levels of humanity that would be appropriate to be established in accordance with their actions and hashem established those traits embedded those traits permanently and just like those things were established for them because that was the end of the period, so too any offspring that they produce afterwards will inherit those embedded traits. In accordance with everything that was appropriate for that root that they had established. And now it comes out that we have many different types of people, t- types of humans. Each one in its respective nature is just like every other type of creature that exists in the world. Frogs behave like frogs and not like birds. And they therefore also produce offspring that exhibit those same traits, just like frogs produce frogs, birds produce birds and not frogs. So too, there are essential differences in humanity and the descendants of these respective individuals who established these roots
1: will embody
0: those respective traits
1: so it sounds like we're not particularly concerned with the differences amongst the other nations i mean it sounds it's i mean the chapter title is israel and the nations so it's israel and all the other but it, there are differences in even amongst these other nations then Right.
0: We haven't spoken about Israel yet. Uh, We're just talking about the general concept that inherent traits of humanity do exist respectively among different types of people that are descendants of of these respective roots.
1: And is this spiritual descendancy separate from genetic descendants? No, they are the same. They go together.
0: Now, all of this is in accordance with divine judgment. That they are fitting to remain in that lower state, that degraded state that had been brought about by Adam Harishan. Because of the sin. And they have not elevated beyond that point at all. So at this point, at the point of the establishment of the roots we had not advanced on a species level to reclaim that higher status we're just establishing base traits the avraham levado Nivchar bemasov elon now here is where we mention the jewish people it was only avraham abraham, abraham only him who was chosen as a result of his actions, which is important, this was no arbitrary decision, Avram had chosen this lifestyle of elevation, of connection to God. And it was because of his actions and his free will, he was selected to become elevated, to become the root of a tree which is elevated. <inaudible> that now is compatible with, with intended humanity, of what Adam HaRishan, the first man, was supposed to achieve. And therefore, the ability was granted to him to produce offspring that will follow in that path as well. And they will follow his nature. So that was Avram. And from that point, the point of the dispersion, humanity was divided into 70 nations. Each one on its own respective level. But all of them, even though they are different and they have different levels among themselves, all of them are still on that lower state that was caused by Adam Harishon with his sin. The Israel and the Jewish people who are the descendants of Abraham. Who had established that root of elevation? They have now reclaimed
1: this status of man before the sin to some degree. So, how do the other descendants of Avram fit into this? He had other children: Yishmael, uh, Esav. So, where do their descendants fit into this? If they come from the properly established root, it's a fair question.
0: He doesn't discuss this here, but the Talmud does say we. We derive from certain verses in the Torah that those two descendants, really, that he had, which were first ishmael who was the son of Abraham, and then Esau, or Esau, who was the son of Isaac, both of them had been cut out of the family spiritually. And so, mm. therefore, the only true descendants of Abraham goes through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob on a spiritual level. So he doesn't discuss that here, but that is part of our tradition. Mm. After this point, the point of the dispersion, the gate of establishing roots was closed and sealed. The and now the period of establishing the branches from those roots commences. VeNimze nimsa and even though by all appearances. It seems as though this time period is no different than what humanity was three and a half thousand years ago. The truth is, they are very different. Up until the generation of the dispersion, It was the time period of the root of mankind and things played out the way they did, and when we've reached the end of that period, things were set, established, those roots were now set in stone, in a new period, the period of branches, that we are now currently in. And that's the end of number three. Now up until now, we've been speaking purely on a national level, but we'll see that on an individual level, things could still change. Number four. From Hashem's great goodness and chesed and kindness, Hashem decreed and gave a place for the branches of other nations. mishorsham that through their free will and their actions can uproot themselves from their respective roots. And they can include themselves as branches of the tree of Avram, of Abraham, if they choose so. And this is the idea of conversion. So we see that conversion is not just deciding to adhere to this religion. And it is not just... Immigration on a political level, that now you become part of the family. It is a literal transformation on a fundamental level, of spirituality, that a person abandons their original identity of where they come from spiritually and establishes a new spiritual identity. <inaudible> And this is what is meant when Hashem made Abraham the father of converts. It's not a borrowed term. It's not a euphemism. He literally becomes their father because they jump off of their respective trees and jump onto his tree and become a direct descendant spiritually of Abraham, which is why we refer to converts as Ben or Bat Avram, the son or daughter of Abraham. And Hashem said to Abraham, And through you, all of the families of the land will be blessed. Now, if people don't attempt this, don't try to branch onto his tree, then they will remain on their own tree branching off of those roots which are on a lower level. Number five. You have to know. Just like the descendants of man were divided into trees, meaning roots and branches, those branches also have divisions. Kane kol ilan atzmai. Each individual tree, each one of those branches has primary branches that from there, smaller twigs, let's say, will come off of. Now, the great root of the tree that was begun by Abraham. The main branches that come off of that tree are 600,000. These are the 600,000 root souls that left Egypt. That formed the Jewish nation. And they are the ones who received the land of Israel. was divided among them. And everyone that comes after them are considered just elements of those branches of the 600,000. Now, to these 600,000 were given the Torah. And it was at that moment that the tree had, so to speak, reached its maturity. Now, there was a great kindness that Hashem did with the rest of the world, that they weren't judged immediately when the time period of creating the roots was over that did not doom all of humanity right away. Their judgment was put on hold until the time of the giving of the Torah. Hashem, so to speak, offered the Torah to all of these other nations. And had they received the Torah... they wanted it they would have had the opportunity to elevate themselves to a higher root and be on the same level as the jewish nation and since they did not want that then their judgment became established forever and there was a seal That opportunity is closed indefinitely. So the only correct answer was, na'asev'enishmah. We will do and we will hear. right? So what you're referring to, if anyone's not familiar, is we we have a a teaching that before Hashem gave the Torah to the Jewish people, it was quote-unquote offered to the rest of the nations. Now, that doesn't mean that there was a divine revelation like the Jewish people had at Mount Sinai. We would have heard about that had that been the case. From other nations. What it means is that at least on some level, on a national level, people had the opportunity to choose goodness at that point. They still had an opportunity to want truth, to want Hashem more than anything else. And what comes with that is the willingness to transform because that's what would have been required. The Jewish people at that time Right? because you say maybe it's not fair, because the Jewish people at that time were descendants of Abraham. They were primed for this. They were already compatible with the Torah. When these other nations were offered the Torah, they were already incompatible. And so how was it fair to offer them the Torah? And then, of course, they would decline. It doesn't fit with who they are. They're on a lower level. What he's saying is they had the opportunity to want to be on that higher level. And had they accepted it, instead of saying, this doesn't fit with who I am, they could have said, I want to be something else. I want to Mm -hmm. be a soul that is compatible with this. And had they chosen that, had they wanted that, which would have totally changed them, it would have. And they would have elevated on a national level to the point where they would have achieved the goal of humanity. But they didn't. And now the time is up. But that doesn't mean that the door is closed to individuals. As we mentioned before, people can still convert and become part of the Jewish nation. What he was saying here is that the opportunity at the time of Mount Sinai was that for other nations of the world, entire races, to elevate and at this point it is now only available to the jewish people individuals have the opportunity the ability if they choose to
1: to connect to that but otherwise no so help me understand something because i i think to my understanding we've already established the concept that free will doesn't go doesn't go infinitely in in any direction um so so you've got a, a a somewhat narrow band of, of actual choices you're making with your free will and a great deal of stuff is basically what you're born into. So when you have a person somewhere else entirely, maybe he's never even encountered a Jew, uh, someone in, grew up in Sierra Leone, uh, what, what free will choice does that person have to you know, potentially become a Jew? to attach to this root? Fair question. There's really a two-part answer
0: to this question. One possible answer is it's very possible that if they truly desire this, and this is something that they would be willing to do anything to accomplish, Hashem knows the hearts of man. And if someone was truly willing to do whatever it takes to get closer to Hashem, it's very possible that Hashem could open up doors and generate the possibilities necessary for this person to take that path and join the Jewish nation. Mm. So that's one possible answer. But the other answer is that it's not necessary. This opportunity does not need to be offered to anyone. Because remember, what we're saying now, what we're really learning in this chapter, is that individuals that exist today are not purely individuals. We are offshoots. We are branches of our spiritual ancestors. This, so they've already made the decision. The decision was made already on a national. They, they are mm. now an offshoot of someone that has already made that decision. Now, it could be in this lifetime, if they choose, they can fundamentally transform. But that's not expected or required. And so therefore, the opportunity to present that opportunity to them is unnecessary. Okay. Now, at this point, you might think, What's the point in other humans even existing? Hashem has wiped out most of humanity already. It's happened. There's a precedent for it. See the flood. So once we've already reached a stage where one subsection of humanity has chosen to reclaim the status of intended, the intended goal of mankind, and the rest haven't, and now the opportunity is shut off, Why would they still exist? And this next section doesn't directly answer it, but at least tangentially addresses it. Number six. There is no decree from Hashem that now the rest of the nations should be destroyed, should be eliminated. Rather, the decree was just that they must remain on that lower level of humanity. This is a level of humanity which really would never have existed had Adam HaRishon, the first man, not sinned. And it was Adam through his sin that caused the, at least ability, for people to exist in this way. But they still are human. All people are human beings. even though these other nations are on a lower level. Hashem still wants that human beings, all human beings, experience the human experience, to a certain degree, at least. The Hainu meaning that all human beings have a neshama, have a soul, that is similar to the soul of the Jewish people. Even though it's not on the same level, it's not programmed with the same software, or maybe it doesn't have the same hardware, whichever is the mm. correct analogy. It is much lower. But they still have mitzvahs, they have commandments. They have a way to connect to Hashem they have the capacity to achieve success whether that be physical or spiritual anything that's relevant to their state the and these are the commandments of the descendants of Noah the seven noahide commandments as it's sometimes known as now, this wasn't a a band-aid, meaning all of this was prepared. This was a contingency that was built into reality from the beginning. It's not as if man sinned and broke the world and then Hashem scrambled and figured out how are we going to deal with this now. It was all planned, in order to be at least prepared for this eventuality. If it would be that man would sin, which he in fact did, then the opportunity now exists for humans to exist on a certain level which is not the intended goal but still experiences humanity to a certain extent just like we find all these punishments that are listed in the torah now that's not the goal obviously we're not waiting for doing something wrong and having these punishments what the torah means is if someone will do something wrong there's a contingency for it. There's mm-hmm. a way to fix it. There's there are contingency plans that are built into reality. This is one of them. Number seven. Now, in the world to come, umais The only nation that will exist nation is the Jewish nation so at this point it gets it seems strange because we were reading this and it all theoretically makes sense but in our experiences we look out in the world and we see great people that are not Jewish people mm-hmm. doing tremendous things
1: that would seem to be the full expression of humanity right I mean the the example that comes to mind is Oscar Schindler. Sure. Yeah. And
0: you're picking someone that benefited Jews, but there could be plenty of other examples, I'm sure, and more examples that we could possibly count of people that have nothing to do with Jews that are doing acts of humanity that are, that are truly great. Mm. And so it doesn't seem to add up what we're saying now, that all of these people are subhuman. They lack humanity and only the Jewish people are, are capable of goodness. I mean, that, that's what it seems like we're saying. And yet we see something different in the world. We see that, that non-Jews can be, can be very great. So the answer is twofold. Number one is that, like we said in the very beginning of this podcast, our understanding of humanity is pathetic. The concept of humanity. Yes, of what humans are capable of, what a human being should be. This ideal human level that we're discussing is something that we are not used to seeing. It is maybe not something that we see expressed by the Jewish people, unfortunately, because we are also on a very low level. We're talking about capacity, not what we are accomplishing necessarily. And so even on this, so to speak, downgraded version of humanity, that is still tremendous. It's, it's not to, to equate other people in the world with animals, God forbid. This humanity that we mentioned earlier, the, all human beings have a soul. They are capable of tremendous things. It's just that the Jewish people are capable of beyond that. And again, we might not see that in our experience of the world, unfortunately. Although if you look closely, you'll see tremendous things that Jews do, but it's usually not advertised. Mm. It's behind the scenes but what our capacity is, is beyond our, our comprehension. So that's part one of the answer. Part two is that righteousness is always rewarded. And so therefore, even if a person might not come from the Jewish people and therefore be included in that collective in Olam Haba, they will still have an existence in Olam Haba, albeit vicariously through the Jewish people. They become ancillary to the Jewish people and that will be their experience in like clothing is ancillary to the body. And it's through that way they can accomplish eternity. But as we've spoken about earlier, their hardware, just does not give them the
1: capacity to accomplish more than that. Interesting, it because there's the the aspect of, of justice uh, that we've we've come back to so many times, and and, and judgment, it it's hard to reconcile. I'm going to go back to the example of Oscar Schindler, who did extraordinary things that that most people probably wouldn't be able to bring themselves to do, including, I don't know, I want to say including Jews, I, I'm sure that they could do it, um, but most of us don't, and so the idea that, that some great person like that uh, would be relegated to, to a lower level is, is hard to reconcile with the aspect of justice. We, we see a very superficial layer of reality. We don't see souls.
0: We see bodies. And we see actions that are enclothed in darkness. And so the, it is hard to come to terms with this concept. But this is, if we're going to accept the rest of the package, this is what comes with it. This is the tradition of the Torah. Hmm. Number eight. Number eight. <laughs> Now, at the time that these 70 nations were established, way back in the generation of the dispersion, Hashem appointed 70 angels, types of angels, to be the ministers over each individual nation. Umashkifim aleim, umashkichim al And these ministering angels are appointed to look after those nations and take care of them and to interact with them. And Hashem's level of oversight is not directly with the nations of the world, but rather in a general sense of how reality operates. And it is this angel, this ministering angel that deals with that nation. By the way, another word for this ministering angel could be a god with a lowercase g. It sounds weird to say. It sounds yeah. blasphemous from a monotheistic perspective, but that is really the concept of what a god with a lower chi- lowercase g is, is this power, so to speak, that you interact with that gets you what you need, what you want. And these are the gods of the world. Mm-hmm. And this is w- when the Torah instructs us not to have any other gods. It is not saying don't make up fantasy and worship some, something that you just invented through your fiction. It's saying, do not worship the gods, the actual gods that exist in the world that are appointed over spiritual matters. Hmm. Interesting. Because the truth is they have no power of their own, as he'll say right now. They do this, all of the power that these ministering angels or gods, let's say, have are given to them by Hashem. So just like anything else, just like a frog, it is a creation of Hashem that is only given existence and power through the only true reality, which is Hashem. So this idea that every other nation of the world interacts directly with an angel and the Jewish people interact directly with Hashem, which is what Avram introduced to the world with his monotheism was was not the idea that there is one infinite source of reality people knew that it was the idea that it's not worth dealing with anything else to have a direct connection to the source of all of reality and this is what was generated for his descendants as the prophet Amos says only you i have known through all of from all of the families of the land meaning hashem deals with us directly va omnam Now, we said that Hashem doesn't deal with these nations directly, doesn't look over them directly. Rather, an angel takes care of it. It's Obviously, it does not mean, God forbid, that Hashem doesn't know what's going on. Hashem says, I'm too busy with (laughs) other things, and so this angel should take care of it. What it means is that Hashem doesn't directly intervene in the affairs of those nations. Hashem creates a system for how reality works. There's nature, there's laws of nature, there's metaphysical laws that govern spirituality, and they operate obviously not independently because it is powered by Hashem, but theoretically Hashem would see fit to intervene with what would
1: happen, quote-unquote, naturally. Suspending the laws of nature on behalf of the Jewish people but not the other nations. Exactly. Exactly.
0: It's not that Hashem doesn't know what's happening. Everything is revealed to him. But he doesn't directly deal with these other nations. And we'll discuss this concept more later on in the book. Number nine. Now, through the actions of the Jewish people, the entire rectification of the universe, Hashem made it dependent on the actions of the Jewish people who had reclaimed this status of humanity. Originally it was supposed to be everyone. But now that the Jews have reclaimed that status, the perfection of the world now rests in the hands of the Jews. alam. And it's as if Hashem has subjugated the way He interacts with the world to the whims of the Jewish people. Now, it's obviously not 100% true. All power comes from Hashem. But Hashem deals with the world the way we choose to. He has given us the reins. He has let us decide. That according to our actions, we will either increase God's presence
1: in the world or hide His presence from the world. Okay, so that's what it means by subjugating is just that it's because of our actions specifically. We get to choose how we act, and he's already established that good actions bring my light into the world, bad actions, God forbid, take it away. Yes, King David said in Psalms,
0: Hashem Hashem is the shadow of your right hand, which means that you move your hand and the shadow follows, that Hashem lets us decide what's going to happen in the world. He makes it happen but he makes it dependent on the, the direction that we choose. Mm. He gives us the keys. And by the way, this is the true justification for anti-Semitism. If something is bad in the world, it is the Jews' fault. <laughs> it's true. It's 100% true. So this is not... Th- I was going to say this at the end, but it's, I guess it's worth saying now because we brought it up. What do we take away
1: from this whole chapter? That we're better? A sense of elitism. Well, yeah, this was, I was going to bring this up, but please go ahead.
0: N- not at all. This is no justification for superiority or some complex like that. What it means, the only thing that we really need to take away from this is that we have a tremendous responsibility to the world. And if things go wrong, it's our fault. And we need to make it right. Yeah. We need to care for and love the entire world, not to look at other people as subhuman, but to treat people with humanity, to treat animals with respect, to treat plants with respect, it, it doesn't matter. We are meant to behave like God in the world and we bear that responsibility. And so we share in profits, we share in losses.
1: Okay, that was that's the heart of my question, which is if I, or if a person were to take this, and you know, align themselves with it entirely, how do you engage at that point uh, with non-Jews with anything other than pity or disdain? And I think, I think you've, I mean, love yeah. really, absolutely,
0: respect and humanity is the way you treat all people. That is, that is the lesson of the Torah. All, all of this is practically not relevant too much in our lives. At at least in terms of how we treat people. Okay. It's good. This is the divine path. Treat people with respect and dignity. That's that's pretty simple. Let's continue. So the Jewish people are the ones that, that have the reins. We bear the responsibility. The other nations of the world, it looks as if they're affecting things that are happening. But on the deeper levels of reality they do not possess the hardware or software whichever i, do. I don't know <laughs> sure the which, metaphysical which analogy choose. is tough yeah they don't have the capacity to affect things on a on a spiritual level they can affect their their own selves on on a personal level on a national level whether the nation will benefit or have detriment whether it's physical or spiritual, and they could also increase the power of their ministering angel, or to weaken it. But that's the extent. Finally, number 10. Even though Hashem doesn't look over the other nations on a specific level, It's possible that Hashem will intervene and will look into the matters of the other nations if it has an effect on a Jewish person, either an individual or a collective. And this falls into the category of what we explained at the end of last chapter, which is that there are Actions that Hashem takes, which are facilitatory, and with that we close this this dense chapter.
1: Wow. wow, wow, it's it's a lot, and I mean, thank you for going through this. Uh, it it really reiterates in a in a powerful way how much responsibility we have. You touched on it. I mean, we we bear the the responsibility for repairing everything the state of humanity and no one else can do it it's, it's pretty extraordinary to think of it in those terms yes
0: and again i just want to reiterate and stress that when it comes to the way we view other nations of the world before you start thinking about how superior you are why not take a look at your own life see how well you're doing mm. We need to be focusing on our on our responsibility, like you said, and not on on our superiority. And in fact, our sages say this is one of the reasons the Jewish nation was chosen, because they were an am ma'at, which literally means a small nation. And our sages derived that they were an am shem ma'at They're a nation which smallifies themselves, meaning it's a humble nation. It's really amazing. You find there are other, other nations of the world, other people are very proud to be who they are. And it's like it's like only the Jews that are embarrassed to be Jewish, <laughs> and that that's uh, it's a good trait to bear that humility. I know that uh, many Jews will hear this chapter and feel very uncomfortable, and to a certain extent, that's good because it's an expression of humility. So hold on to that, but we have to know this is the truth. We have this responsibility. All right. Till next time. Thank you, Rabbi.